If you have dark patches or pigment spots on your skin, then take action with Eucerin's anti-pigment facial skincare range. All products in the range contain thiamidol, an exclusive ingredient that targets the root cause by reducing melanin production, while the anti-pigment dual serum contains hyaluronic acid to help skin feel plump. Incorporate the Eucerin Anti-Pigment Day Cream, Night Cream, Dual Serum and Spot Corrector into your skin routine and see first visible results after two weeks. Get more even, radiant-looking skin with Eucerin. Individual results may vary. Use the full Eucerin Anti-Pigment range regularly for best results. Eucerin Anti-Pigment Day, Night and Dual Serum are available in selected pharmacy stores and online. Eucerin Anti-Pigment Spot Corrector is available online only. Welcome to the second series of The Beauty of It All. Now, this is the beauty-obsessed big sister that you've always wanted. Hosted by me, Vic Hope, with Superdrug, The Beauty of It All takes a backstage look at the beauty industry, the issues facing it, and all the news and discussions that you've been craving. Now, this episode, we're going to be talking all about how you make it to the top in the beauty industry. Whether you're working for a brand or building a following by sharing content online or you're creating your own company, it's an industry that's dynamic and it's exciting but it can also feel insurmountable and it can feel daunting now our esteemed guests will share their big break stories the advice that made their careers and their top tips on how you can do it too i'm joined by dj ayodeli an esthetician and the founder of the black skin directory and emma gunner wardner the host of the emma guns show she's a podcaster presenter beauty editor and writer hello how are you Hi Vic, really well. How are you? Yes, good. We're all meeting on Zoom, get to look into the back of each other's rooms and I was just <laughs> saying um, to Deja just before we came on that we can see Beyonce in the back of your shot, Emma, and I'm very here for it. Yeah, it's great. It's a great <laughs> photo, actually. Well, it's because it's Best Revenge is your papers and it's quite a good one to have in the ah, office. Yes, <laughs> well, that's good. what we're talking very about. We're talking good. about... We're talking about making it and, and working hard to get to where you want to be um, and to where you deserve to be because you've put the work in, which is exactly what that represents. Um, so let's take it right back to the beginning for, for both of you, Deja and Emma. Did you always want to work in the beauty industry? I mean, was beauty always your passion, Deja? Um Beauty has always been my passion. It's always been what I wanted to do. I didn't know that it was a career, if you see what I mean. Um, I come from a West African background where, you know, you're going to become a lawyer or a doctor or, or something academic, um, having a father who's a diplomat as well. So it's not, beauty wasn't something that was for me to do for other people. It was for me to go and get done as the treat. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I loved it and, and I did the, the, the usual, I went, I went to uni, I, I did all my A-levels, went to uni, um, and came out and went into a sort of a proper job, um, in banking and I hated it. And I finally left because I, when I couldn't take it anymore. So, um, I didn't, I knew I loved beauty, but I didn't know it was something that was, I could make a life out of. I hear you. Where, whereabouts your family from? So my dad is Nigerian and my mum is Sierra Leonean. So just complete West African mix. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah, it was it just wasn't something like I, I'd go with my mum to get her nails done every week, I'd get her hair done, sort of get beautified. And I loved seeing all the ladies sort of pampering all the women. And I thought, well, I'd love to do that. But it's just I knew in my family that that wasn't just not going to go down. Yeah. So my family is Nigerian as well. And um, my grandma calls me a halot for working in television <laughs> you see there which, you go <laughs> <laughs> so I know they don't understand at all what it means to work in uh, the entertainment industry and it's yeah. a very similar story when it comes to beauty um so how how did you make that that transition from banking well I'd always ended up doing courses even when I was at university I would do beauty courses all the time um and when I went into banking I was I was working on Fleet Street and I'd go for you know I remember doing my OPI manicure course um much to the disgust of my boss because I took every Monday off and she hadn't realized she'd signed me off every Monday um 
whereas she thought I was just off for a week. Um, so I'd go off and get nails done and, and all that sort of stuff. And it was just a general transition. And it, it got to the point where, you know, it, even she offered to give me just a long resignation process and just said, look, you're clearly, you don't want to be here. Yes, you're great at your job because that's the thing. I was great at my job, um, but you don't want to be here. You're the girl who, when we open her drawer, nail polish and lipstick falls out, not paper clips or anything like that. Um, and in the end, I ended up doing her wedding makeup for her. When my boss got married, I did her wedding makeup. That's how nice the whole situation was. Um, but yeah, it, it got to the point where everyone knew that, you know, it was my, it was a waste of my time being there. <laughs> yeah. Everyone knew. So it felt vocational. Yeah, it felt vocational. It, it's very much like the thing I would do, you know, although yes, I love being paid and, you know, I think, I think people should get paid for, for what they do. I would actually do my job for free. And that's not me advertising, say, ask me to work for free. But if I won the lottery tomorrow, I'd still go to my clinic and do faces. That's how I feel about my role. You, you be careful what you say. No, no. <laughs> Even if you Should ask me to work for free, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But, you know, I feel so, I'm in such, such in, in such in love with what I do that, you know, even with millions in the bank, I'd still do what I do. Now, Emma, I've, I've seen you at work once before. I came to one of your um, live recordings of The Gun Show. Um, you had, uh, oh, I love it. Um, you know, Lauren Mahon, who did, does the Girl versus Cancer um, podcast and also um, Liz Hurley and Dr. Zoe. And it was brilliant. It was really, really lovely to see such brilliant women um, having such an in, in, important conversation about breast cancer and, and such an intelligent conversation. But l- looking at your career, it spans so much. You were beauty editor at OK for 10 years, um, written for everyone, Red, Stylist, Sunday Time Style, and obviously you've got your podcast. How did you get started in the industry? Because it's a slightly, you know, it's a, it's a different side of the beauty industry. Um, well, first of all, thank you for coming to that podcast. It's great. <laughs> I wish I'd known you were in the room. Um, I started out sort of like not a linear path by any stretch of the imagination because it's sort of twofold. On the one hand, I had a really awkward, I had really awkward teen, teen years because of a hormone imbalance. So I started out sort of aged 11, started getting acne, lost a lot of hair, gained a lot of facial hair and body hair and put on a lot of weight and was just that very awkward, uncomfortable in their own skin teenager who, and the only place where I got any kind of comfort or hope was in the beauty aisles of you know the supermarket basically back back then all those years ago so the seed was definitely sown then but then also I wanted to become a writer I always wanted to be on magazines and I think genuinely if you look back at movies from the 80s and 90s all of the really incredible inspirational protagonist females were journalists And I just think that sowed another seed. But at school, I was not clever enough. So I was very much told, if you want to become a writer for a magazine like Marie Claire or Vogue or anything, you have to have an English degree and you have to go to one of these types of universities. And that's not going to happen for you because you're not bright enough and you're not going to get the grades. And so I was probably told that about age 14, 15. So I kind of coasted along. And the reason and the way I got into the beauty industry was because I had a perfectly nice sales job uh, in the city and I was coming back on the train one day and I just thought I am going to expire if I continue to do this. And I quit and I went and did work experience on my local newspaper. And I was about 23, 24. So it wasn't like I was fresh out of university or anything. And um, then I did a postgrad in journalism and you know, they say the rest is history, but not really. It was a lot of graft. (laughs) It is. I think that often people don't realise just how much goes into it and also how varied those paths can be, those routes that you take. There is no prescribed route. It's not like, you know, becoming a doctor and you you have to do so many years at a certain university and get certain grades. And it's difficult to know what to do sometimes. I mean, it must feel like you're not really sure where to go next Deidre, it's not like you had a a precedent for how you were no. going to break in. So how did you break in? How did you make that transition? Oh, wow. So I guess um, I kind of came into the industry at the time where sort of beauty and social media was quite a new mix together. So I'm thinking now probably 
2008, 2009, um, where sort of beauty was you know, we were doing, people were doing blogs and you had beauty blogs that just started coming out. So I came into, to, to sort of start and work experiencing the beauty industry at that time. So there was no set formula then either. It was all sort of everyone in giving their opinions. And, and it was when social media was the sort of place you'd people turn to beauty blogs for the honest, the tea on the product, not what (laughs) the the company was telling you. It was what other people who had tried the products were saying about it. So there was no, there was no formula again. It was just get in and muck in basically. And it was very much a bit of like a community. Everyone was mocking in and, and going to, trying to get to different press days and trying to be invited to places. And, um, and, and I was very sort of like, I want to, do this properly. So I went, I'm going to go and get my beauty therapy qualifications, um, which is what I did. I, I went to the London College of Beauty Therapy and I, and I got my qualifications because I thought it's all well and good talking about products and tell, telling people what you think about it. But if you don't really know how it's working in the body, in the skin and all that sort of stuff, you're missing a vital element. Um, so I went and, and then did some formal because I thought that was the only way I was going to sort of be able to get a good handle on this was to do some formal education. Um, so instead of doing sort of like the one week courses I'd been doing, I dedicated, you know, two years to doing a full on qualification and what you touched on there is not just the fact that there's all these different routes in, but also that the landscape of the beauty industry is constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. The industry looks different to how it did five years ago, 10 years ago. Emma, how much have you seen it change and what have you learned along the way as your job has grown and your roles in all these um, different companies has grown? Oh, gosh, it's changed so much. It, yeah. And when I think about what it was like when I first started on magazines and I didn't, I had no experience of it. I was on local newspapers. My job before I started on OK Magazine, my like prime thing that I had to do every week was make sure that the Bing collection rotor was correct in the paper. Oh Oh my gosh. It's a vital service, I hasten to add. It is. (laughs) And so I went from that to like, Tia Claridge's learning about a new mascara mm-hmm. with, you know, petty fours and goodness knows what else. So it's, ch- and when I look back on that, it was so sort of quaint and sweet and beautiful and quite small. There were probably only really 30 of us who had magazine jobs who were being targeted by beauty companies in order to feature them in our titles. And now there are tens of thousands of people who have voices on social media, in print, online, whatever it might be. And that's a wonderful thing. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I do think that's a really wonderful thing because obviously more voices are heard, more people are represented. It's all utterly brilliant, but it has changed an awful lot. And I think, I remember a photographer friend of mine saying to me years ago, just as photography was going digital, he said, oh, it'll never catch on. I'm always gonna do uh, film. And obviously things didn't go particularly well for him. And I've always kept in the, ever since then, I've always thought you have to always be aware of what is new and different. And even if you don't particularly like it, you have to embrace it and just do your due diligence and figure out what it is, how it works so that if it does take off, you're not on the back foot. Yeah, we've got to be aware that the world is is changing. I, I love those jobs that you do at the very beginning. I remember once I used to be a runner at MTV and um, obviously you make the teas and the coffees and all that kind of thing. But there was one, there was one day I was on a shoot with One Direction and I was like, guys, I'm going to your coffee. And they were like, no, 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 you just stand there, Vic. You just stand there. And I was like, are you sure? Can I help with this? No, you said, and I realised that they were using me to block the light. I was... (laughs) My job that day was as a as a parasol. (laughs) Wow! (laughs) But you got to do these things, Um, and and you also mentioned Emma the the way that there's so many more people now because there are so many more platforms. It is multi-platform. The online space is thriving. Do you think that makes it a more competitive or a less competitive environment? Well, uh, that's a really good question. Actually, in a way, I think it makes it less competitive. Mm. I think back on those days on magazines and I was always very aware of 
all the jobs that were available. And honestly, if somebody went on mat leave or if somebody was going to leave a glossy, you all knew about it and you'd all be at home updating your CV and trying to write a dazzling cover letter to try and stand out. Whereas now I think there's a greater opportunity. You're not having to fit into somebody else's narrative or somebody else's way of doing things as in being a beauty editor on a magazine. You can create your own platform and your own voice. And so actually I think that means that means that there's less competition because no one can be you. I can't be you. Mm. You can't be me. We can't be each other. So it's just, it actually means that your lane is far more defined, which I think makes it slightly easier from that perspective. I'm not saying that FOMO doesn't happen and that social media can't make you compare yourself to everyone else. But I think if you just focus on staying in your lane and doing what feels authentic to you, then who can tell you that you're doing it wrong? It definitely feels like the beauty industry has become a space for authentic voices where I think beforehand it felt like a place that a lot of us might have felt locked out of because we didn't see ourselves represented, which is, um, I think, very valid when looking, Deja, at the Black Skin Directory. So rather than seeing a lack of diversity and inclusion and representation, something that might make you feel locked out, you saw it as something to change. What inspired you to start the Black Skin Directory? The inspiration for Black Skin Directory was literally, I wanted Black women to be able to have access to professional skincare in the way that I had access to professional skincare. We did a survey that um, all the respondents um, said, well, 92% of the respondents said that they struggled to access professional skincare. They either struggled or they felt it was a massive challenge or they'd never been able to access professional skincare. And I just thought this was in 2017. And I just thought this this just isn't right um, because the professional skincare services are out there. And part of the survey also told us that um, black women felt that when they read magazines, um, a lot of the stories, um, especially beauty magazines, were, were written in the image of a white woman because usually the um, editor or the writer would have been white. Um, so unless they read a specific, you know, um, black hair or black beauty sort of magazine, it wouldn't be written in the image. It wouldn't be anything within those articles that alluded that whatever was being spoken about was also um, suitable for them. Um, and I just felt like a platform like Black Skin Directory where everyone is online now would be something that Black women would be able to use to access almost like a yellow pages to act to access um professional skincare practitioners whether it be dermatologists or aesthetic doctors but also to be able to access educational articles as to um you know different types of skin conditions um that are sort of more prevalent in darker skin tones like hyperpigmentation for example which is the number one bugbear for women of color um especially black women as well so it for me it was just i i just looked at it and i, and I felt that something had to be made right and because I'm not a, I would, I'm not the kind of person that would sort of sit down and point out a flaw and not do something about it if I could do something about it. And I also realized that I was kind of in a very unique position, having a foot in the professional industry and also being a black woman and being able to sort of merge those two things together to provide this platform. And it literally started off as that little seed of an idea um, and Two years later, you know, here we are going to our third year, double award winning, um, Vogue nominated. And, you know, it's done really well off 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 the off the back of black women loving the platform. It's 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 so important and it's important to feel included, to feel represented. And it can often feel like you're banging your head against the wall um, when you don't see opportunities or access for, for people like you. Um but you must feel like you come up against challenges quite a lot. I remember once watching um, a talk with Oprah and she she was talking about, someone had asked her a question, it was a Q&A, yeah. someone had asked her a question. If you don't see yourself represented in an industry, do you think it's better for you to then make your own version of it or to work your way up inside the established system and then change it from the top once you're in there and she said you need to have a foot in the door already because that's how you're going to get respect and that's how people are going to think that whatever it is that you say or do is valid um Emma what sort of challenges have you come up against I mean you mentioned that you didn't feel like this was an industry you could infiltrate yourself given your background your experience and how did you combat those challenges the education thing or the not being good enough to get and to get into a university to do English was one thing and I just sort of 
realized once I was an adult and had been through university that I could just do a postgrad and I was perfectly clever thank you very much so that career <laughs> counselor uh is on my head yeah list. they do but they do that <laughs> they do that they tell you to manage your expectations they put you in boxes or stereotype you or to, or to hold you down until you're not good enough that can do a lot to your self-esteem and that really impacts your future yeah I mean I went to a school where you were either very brainy or very sporty or preferably both and I was neither so I did just I was just sort of just somebody who you know just was there and a bit invisible for however for however long but once I got into the industry I think like you were saying earlier um a bit like Deja as well I was so intent on having a qualification and earning my place within the industry so I took time out I funded myself through college but when I got to a magazine and then I sat next to somebody and I said oh how did you get your job expecting there was another quite in, not inspirational but like interesting tale about you know how they'd given up everything and they said oh my mum mm-hmm. knew someone who got me a work experience placement and yeah you suddenly realize that it, it's not a level playing field it's not a meritocracy so um yeah that was that was quite interesting but I think the challenge that I definitely feel like I faced was that I was on a magazine for a long time that didn't have, um, had a reputation as a more of a tabloid. And I always wanted to be that beauty editor on a monthly that was writing the bigger features, doing the more investigative beauty stuff. Um, Not so much shoot direction. I never thought I could be that beauty editor who was flying to New York every month and doing those uh, flashy shoots. I just, like, I really liked interviewing brand founders and finding out about products and that sort of thing. And I applied for two jobs that I was perfectly qualified for. Um, and the editors essentially said to me, I wouldn't hire you because you're, you're from a tabloid. Imagine how that would look for my title, me hiring the girl from a tabloid. And so I felt that that was a real challenge because I thought, well, then I'm stuck. And so the only thing I could then do was go freelance because I, I wanted to edge away from that reputation, I guess. I didn't want people to think all I could do was write little sound bites and interview celebrities. I wanted to obviously showcase what more I could do. And that meant going out on my own and pretty much starting from scratch. But I say starting from scratch, but obviously after 10 years, you have a great network of friends and colleagues and mentors. And without those people, goodness knows what, if I had been trying to start with no contact at all, I have no idea how I would have done it. I was going to say, it's interesting how you say, Emma, about being pigeonholed, because I find that one of the challenges that um, I've faced, probably maybe not so much now, but back in the day was that pigeonholing of there was only a, a, a preferred definition of, of the black the black blogger or, or black girl that, that would be represented around the table, say a press day or, or something. There was this, a couple of, you know, black girls who were, you know, these are the permitted ones. And you'd have all, you'd you'd have myself and a few others who'd just be like, well, how could, you know, what's wrong with us? You know? And, and even you'd get to the point where you would, you'd get a little bit aggrieved, especially when you think you're hiring them to talk about beauty, but here I am fully qualified you know, and, and yet that's, that's the preferred person. And, 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 it's, and you, you think to yourself, come on PRs, reach out just that bit further um, and, and speak to a wider pool. You'll find there's a lot more of us here who actually have lots of valid enriching points that we could make to this whole, whole industry. Um, and that was, you know, that was a bit of a challenge, but I, I, and I say back in the day, because I guess once I found my own lane and my own cruising altitude, I was just like, well, whatever's going on there is what's going on there. Here I am. I'm just going to focus on what my North Star is, which is this, this provision for black women. That's that's my mantra. And I'm just going to run with that. Everything else can fall by the wayside. And I guess that challenge ended up being my strength at the end of the day. So it's it's quite interesting how, you know, because different people have different ideas and by default we all kind of pigeonhole each other into places where we think that's where they should be when really if we just sort of opened up our minds a little bit more would find that Emma would have had a lot to to give to that title um, and they're never going to know you know. But then I also think that one thing that it took me going freelance to really understand 
is that it's a beauty business. It's a multi-billion dollar business. And so if one black woman sells a load of product, every brand is going to go after that black person and not think, oh, let's now open the doors and let's have a much more open, inclusive conversation. They're just going to go, that one sells. Same with any influencer, to be honest. And so I do think... It can sometimes be frustrating because you think, I'm here, oh yeah, look at me, see what I'm doing over here on Instagram. But until you can prove that you can sell product, you're not attractive to brands. And I do think that's the one thing that it's very easy to get emotional in this industry because it is, we've all come into it from your story, Deja, my story. We all have emotional reasons for being drawn towards this industry. But I think sometimes when I'm having a day like that, I have to remind myself, it is a multi-billion dollar business and you have to take the emotion out of it. Absolutely. No, I I completely agree with you. I mean, coming from the background I come from where, you know, investment banking, very aware that, you know, it's the the dollar signs and pound signs at the end of the day that makes the industry run. Um, But yeah, it's, 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 it's that fine line between, Yep, it's a business. Absolutely, we're here to you know here to the tills to ring, um, and and you know for those internet ding dongs to be going off. But at the same time, it's almost it can get yeah. You're right. Absolutely, it can get a bit emotional when you're thinking, wow, you know. Yeah, and with that said, I just want to add, you know, the most underrepresented section of the of the population in the beauty industry is the over 50s who make up, I think, over 50% of the population and they have the most money to spend. But how many women over 50 do you really see and they're not spoken to? And I think that's another thing that we have to really be mindful of. And a friend, I was chatting to a friend of mine recently, I'm 42 now, and she said, you are gonna be 50 in the blink of an eye and you will begin to feel what it's like to be invisible. Here at Superdrug, we like to ensure women of all ages are represented. Introducing Superdrug's Starflower Oil High Strength Capsules. Starflower Oil is rich in a substance called gamma-linolenic acid, GLA. GLA is believed to help reduce menopause symptoms, such as mood swings and hot flashes, due to its anti-inflammatory properties. It's also a great source of essential fatty acids and vitamin E, which is an antioxidant that helps to protect the body's cells from oxidative stress. Shop online or in store today. That feeling of invisibility and also the feeling of frustration that you've mentioned is something that I think we're talking about this now to listeners who might be interested in working in the beauty industry. It's something that we have to learn to harness and we have to learn to make the most of. We overcome it. I know sometimes when I'm frustrated, um, I get I, I, I get stereotyped as as quite aggressive or quite, I don't know, you, you're being assertive, but it's seen as like, I get called feisty or I get called sassy. These are words that I, they actually make me feel sick to my stomach when I hear them. And I, I, I'm sure that you've both heard them before. How do you harness that and you turn it around and you you make it so that you become indispensable to this multi-million dollar industry? How do you how do you get rid of the self-doubt, get rid of the frustration and turn it into pragmatism and turn it into something that sells and that works? I mean, for, for us or for me, I know that with the work I do with Black Skin Directory and the insights that we have into the needs and wants of black women. And I know that how that can make the tills ring. And I know that a lot of the a lot of sort of the meetings I go to sometimes at the end of the day, no matter how, um, you know, the, the meetings are all lovely and friendly and there's nothing wrong with them at all. But I know that we're there to kind of make money, not kind of make money, we're there to make money or or to end up making money. So I know that the insights I have help companies and brands to do that. So I guess I I get over that frustration by by knowing my stuff. I, I know what I know and I know it's I and I know that it is valuable. So um I, I know that no matter if someone may think, oh, well, you know, she's she's being a bit sassy or anything like that, they know that fundamentally the information I'm going to give them is going to help them in their brand and their business. So um, for me, it, it doesn't really bother me. I've had to develop, you, I think you have to develop a thick skin a little bit as well. Um, and I'm not saying that there's not days where you're like, 
I have cried. Even last week I was, I cried on a webinar too. I don't know how many thousands of people were on there. I just burst into tears. So, so it's not to say it's not frustrating, but, but generally you, you let, you let out the emotion and you harness the spirit that is coming with, because you know that you're coming from a good place. And if you have your information a hundred percent on lockdown, you know, that, that whatever people have to say about you and you deliver, then that's all that matters at the end of the day. Well, Emma, your podcast has over 7 million downloads. How do you get to that point? You know, because it's like you transcend getting where you wanted to be to somewhere that you didn't even think you would. I mean, or maybe you did. I don't know. Did you see that coming? No, no, no destination I've ever arrived at has ever been a course that was plotted in advance. Right, right. (laughs) Um, I hear you. But it's a little bit like Deja was saying, actually. Um, I started the podcast and before I started it, every single person I knew, and I've been in the beauty industry now for nearly 20 years. So pretty much my entire social circle is in some way connected to my work in some way. And the majority of feedback I was getting was what, A, what's a podcast? B, how on earth would you, how on earth can you talk about beauty, which is so visual on an audio platform? And I was just met with, no, that seems like a stupid idea. Oh, this is going to be the end of, (laughs) the end of guns. But I was tenacious and I just said, I really believe in this. And I really, I think I wanted to give a voice to the industry that wasn't really being heard. And that was brand founders who are so inspirational because as we've discovered on this chat with Deja as well, there is no blueprint for success in this industry and everyone's path is different. And so by creating a podcast where you tell everybody's story, somebody is going to see themselves within that. Somebody is going to be inspired by that. And so... Even when I feel frustrated, as we were talking about a minute ago, or even if I feel, I, you know, I feel a bit emotional, I think about the people who've emailed me and said, because of you, I quit my job that I hated and I started my own business. Or because of this conversation you had with Sam Chapman, for example, we did a, a conversation a couple of years ago about mental health. And I get co- emails all the time about because of that conversation, I got help or because of that conversation, I finally feel validated in what I've been feeling. And so that's a lovely position to be in to get this kind of feedback that it's making a difference and it's helping people, whether it is helping somebody find the right retinoid, helping somebody find, (laughs) you know, a mental health practitioner, helping somebody just feel inspired by, you know, Michelle Doherty from Alpha H who started a business with a few dollars in her pocket and is now, you know, behind one of the biggest brands in beauty. These people are all so inspiring. So I don't know how I did it, but I felt very, I was so certain that if I put these conversations on tape, they would add value to the end user. And as it turns out, thankfully they have, and the show has evolved to cover so many more topics than just beauty. But um, yeah, we just keep coming back to the fact that people still want to come on the show, which is great. And people are requesting for uh, guests to come on the show all the time. And it's just become a very it's become a really nice resource, which I'm really proud to have created. I feel like no matter what route life takes, what anything takes, if you remember why you're doing something, remember what you stand for, remember why you started it, you never know where you're going to end it, but remember why you started it, that tends to try and keep you on a good track. And it keeps you also mentally in the right place. Otherwise, it can become very overwhelming. Um, But remembering, you know, what you stand for, it keeps you grounded. What does no one ever tell you about the beauty industry? Wow. I mean, <laughs> I think, I think people underestimate how, 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 how long it takes to do things or how long it takes to get to a certain position. Um, you know, it's, it's not overnight. It's, 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 I think it's very true when they say the route to overnight success is 10 years or something like that. It's, it does take it. You have to grind hard. You have to be agile. You have to be flexible. You have to keep your, you have to develop a thick skin. You can't be emotional. You've got to separate facts from feelings. You've, you know, and even though like Emma was just saying, it's a touchy feely industry in terms of, you know, the product and, and the look and the vibe. And it's like, how are you going to translate that into a podcast? But you do have to find a way of separating that feeling from fact and, and, and really be focused. So I think it's definitely not an industry for the faint hearted. I don't think as much as it's, 
it has a soft look to it. It's definitely got a hardcore, you know. Deceptive, and, uh, yeah, it's deceptive. And you definitely have to um, put that time in. And, and that time is not five minutes. It definitely isn't. Looking back at how far you've come, uh, what's changed, and also how you might have changed. Like, what what could you tell your younger self to reassure them that you're going you're gonna to be all right, you're going to make something pretty cool? Oh gosh. Do you know what? I think, I think I would say, don't worry, it's on its way. Because I think my energy for a lot of my career was, I want it now. Or I, not I want it now, because I've never been, like, I have always been the person who's very happy to do the grunt work. But I knew I was capable of doing things. So when I got an opportunity, that job from work experience on OK Magazine, boy, did I run with it. And so I've always had that kind of, just give me a chance and I'll make it work. Just give me a chance and make it work. And I think now, as a 42-year-old woman, I look back and I think, God, that was quite a lot of tension that I was carrying. (laughs) And actually, what you don't sometimes appreciate now, sometimes I'll try and do something And I will think, oh, I've tried to do this before and it never works. And you suddenly realize that the path is very easy. And the path is easy because of 20 years, because of your contacts, because of your network, because of the things that you've learned. And that's why, that's why it's happening now. And if things don't happen for you, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, but it's just not happening for me now, it doesn't mean it won't. It honestly, I do believe it means it's just not the right time. And I I do believe in that expression or that saying, you know, if it's meant for you, it won't pass you by. And if you are hungry for something and if you want something, even if you end up sort of deviating from your route, even if you think it's right in front of me, I want to get from A to B and it's right in front of me. And even if you end up going around the houses, you will get to that, the version of B that you are meant to get to. And you mustn't forget that as you go around the houses, you're constantly learning new stuff. You're constantly getting new experiences and stories and that that no experience is invalid because that's what's going to influence the end product the end product could be even richer for it in some ways it's better that it doesn't happen too fast because I know people who have wanted something so bad and it's happened almost too quickly and they weren't ready for it so let's talk a little bit about the practical things that people can be doing um, on their way on their route what advice would you give someone looking to start out their career in the beauty industry and I'm talking ways in ways to network um, understanding the landscape creating content you know the the practicalities of it I mean I would definitely say um um, experience, experience every side of the beauty industry you can. I think it's very important um, for people, especially if you want, you're going to go and own your own business at some point to experience customer service, experience working on the shop floor, experience dealing with lots of different people coming at you with lots of different requirements and whether it be, you know, a a customer that's angry or a customer that's got feedback to give or someone that's happy. I think it's very important to experience that shop floor. Um, I think it's also very important to experience the back office and actually have an appreciation and understanding of how money is made because, like we've alluded to before, in, in you know, as we've been chatting, this is a multi-billion-pound industry. So you have to have an appreciation of how money is made. What it, what does it cost to make that sale? Um, I think it's very important for people to have this sort of basic knowledge about the industry um, and having experience in different facets, and they can then kind of hone in on their particular area that they they want to be at, the area that they know they can excel in. Um, Um, definitely you have to network. There's nothing, it's funny how Emma said, you know, this, if you wanted to do something and 20 years ago, it would have been difficult, but now with contacts and what she knows in 20 years experience, she's been able to, she, she can now do things that seem very easy. Um, and that's with 20 years of experience and networking and proving your worth, um, your worth in terms of delivering what you, because it's not that you're not worthy, but just delivering what you say you're going to deliver and having that track record of delivery, um, can make life easier for you many, many years later. So definitely um, having that exposure is it's and, and the networking and getting to know people and, and, and not getting to know people for what they can do for you, getting to know people for knowing them and being interested in them and, and, and what, maybe what you can do for them rather than the other way around. I find it's always, for me, that's always been my thing. 
um, just knowing people. I have a contacts book that it's like, I just know people and everyone, everyone's always tapping me. Oh, you know that person? I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I just know people for the sake of knowing them, having coffees when we were free, obviously to have coffees, but having coffees, having lunches, getting to know what people are up to, I think is very important. Um, especially when you're standing, starting out and also putting, um, putting ego to one side because I sometimes we 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 speak to a lot of, of sort of younger generations and they there's this expectation that they should have something they should have it now you know we should be boss babes we should be running things and and it's, I'm always a bit like just slow down a bit you know experience all these different things first and before you kind of call yourself a boss babe who's making all the decisions and all that sort of stuff it's very important to not uh, not turn up and almost be like, oh yeah, I've arrived. But what have you done? What are you what are you, what are you telling us you've done? They, we, you have there's no track record here. We can't see anything. So it's very important, I think, to also be an apprentice. Park the ego. Be an apprentice so you can soak up and learn from as from as many people and many situations as possible. Yeah, be a sponge without a doubt. That, I guess that also comes from the networking, and as you say, rather than it just being like the shameless self-publication, um, seeing it as an opportunity to learn, to help out. I mean, Emma, as a beauty editor of a magazine, you must have networked, like you know what it's about. What are your tips and what advice as well would you give to aspiring writers and editors? Should they blog, tweet, Instagram? How, how do we go about it? Do you know, it's such a good question and it's a, probably a question I get asked the most is like, how do I break into the industry? Mm. I want to become a beauty journalist or I want to become a blogger. And it's the hardest question to answer and I really battle with it because back in my day, it was really obvious what you did. You got yourself on a new, local newspaper or a newspaper and you made cups of tea and coffee and you tried to do it really, really well. So that people liked you and <laughs> wanted to keep you around. But now with, um, you know, WordPress and Squarespace and Wix and all these websites where you can just create your own website, you can, if you want to, create your own platform. But you can be the best writer out there. But if you're not connected in some way, if somebody doesn't notice you, then it's really hard to kind of take it to that next level. And so I think that's what I really wrangle with sometimes when I'm trying to answer this question, because someone will say, you know, should I start this blog or I've been doing this and this is what I do on my Instagram. And I think it looks great, but I, I don't know the magic bullet of how to tell you to get noticed. I don't know how to get you in front of the right people. That can, that's where it can be really, really challenging. And if I had started my podcast four years ago and mm -hmm. I had no, no contact in the beauty industry, I'd never worked for magazines. I might've been talking to thin air I think part of the reason why the podcast had an audience to begin with is because people in the industry thought, oh, what's she up to now? <laughs> and they were curious. And so there was kind of a, a ready-made audience. So it is really, it is really difficult. One thing I would say is you had a lot of messages from people who say, I really want to work in the beauty industry. And I say, oh, why? And they say, oh, I love beauty. And that <laughs> okay. is a red flag to me. I don't know, Deja, do you have the same thing? Yeah. Yeah, we get that a lot. Just, you know, I, I, I love beauty. I, I love the whole thought of it, the whole concept. Of, like, what, what part of beauty do you love? <laughs> what does that Wh mean? Which part exactly? What does it mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah, we, we need to be more specific. Yeah, I, I, would I would encourage people to think about what they mean. So for me, it was always about as somebody who really struggled with my skin as a teenager and had terrible acne and awful facial hair and was losing hair on my head and all of the other things associated with a hormone imbalance. My whole thing was about communicating to somebody else something that would be helpful to them to stop them feeling the way that I felt, which was uncomfortable in my own skin, helpless, hopeless and ugly. And oh, it impacted my self-esteem and all of those things. So I've always tried to come at everything from the point of that person who might be in distress or might feel lost or just doesn't know where to turn. What nugget of information can I give them today that will set them on the right path? Even if it's just making them feel better in that moment, making them feel better for the rest of the day, making them think, right, I'm going to make an action plan. That's where I've always come from. So it's very much been about communication. And in order to do that well, I need to know what I'm talking about, which means I need to understand the science. I need to understand how the industry works, which is that it's all very, very connected. It was a surprise to me when I first started on magazines that all of these brands over here were owned by L'Oreal and all of these brands over here were owned by Estee Lauder. I had no idea that it's such an actually quite small network when it comes to 
the big companies. So I think ask yourself what you want to do. So DJ, for you, it might be, I want to actually help people with their skin, you know, hands-on, but I also want to do this. I want to create the black skin directory. So people have know how to access somebody like me. So I do think it is a case of asking yourself, what is your why? If you're a makeup artist, just get as many, get as many bases as you can when we're not in lockdown and show off your skills and hone your skills and practice and speak to makeup artists who've been around for a long time and ask if you can shadow them and be an apprentice. But I think you have to come back to your why. Like nobody's going to go into finance and go to an interview at an investment bank and the interviewer says, why do you want to work for us? And they say, oh, I just love money. It's just not going to fly. <laughs> I'd like to hope not. Yeah. It's so true. I wonder whether we have this image of the beauty industry as something that, because it's so aspirational, that we forget that it's a business and we forget that you need to have that why, as you would with any job, with any vocation. You need to have a reason for doing it. It's the only way you're going to do it well. I mean, what's, yeah. what's the most important thing that you feel like you've learned, Deja, from starting your own business? Oh, wow. I think it's definitely, we will come back to the question of why. It's the, being crystal clear on my vision. Mm -hmm. So whenever I am faltering, I, and I know what my North Star is, my North Star is Black women. And that is my pa absolute passion to provide for. So whenever I'm faltering or whether, or when a brand comes around and they want to, uh, and they're asking for certain things and I'm sort of going, mm, I'm not sure. I always go back to my why. Would this be suitable for black women? Would the black women who listen to what I have to say, would would they be interested in this? And that's the being crystal clear of my vision, but also knowing that um, I can be crystal clear and know where my destination is, but also have an appreciation for the fact that I could, I may have to deviate to get to that destination. Um, and it's that sort of going around the houses that we spoke about a little bit. Um, you know, I, I know where the point is and I know how I, I may not, you know, sometimes I may not know how I'm going to get there, but because I know what my why is, I know that I will get there somehow. Um, so, so that's sort of the, I think that's the most important thing I, I've learned. And, and once I knew that, and I have to say, if I'm honest, I didn't always know that. Once I knew that and I was crystal clear on that, I found that my life was so much easier and, and my business flourished and was so much easier to run. I think that sort of brings me to my final point quite nicely, which is what keeps you happy when you're doing it? How do you, how do you stay happy or stimulated or challenged or healthy or balanced? You know, what's the best thing? What keeps you going, Emma? <laughs> that's such a good question and I think I battle with it a lot as well because I I do still have that voice in my head saying what should you be doing and every time I hear that and I feel like oh so and so is doing this over here or maybe I should have a bit more of this on my podcast and every time I think that a friend of mine gave me some really good advice not long after I started the podcast because I started when there weren't really any other podcasts around. And then all of a sudden, within about 18 months, loads of other podcasts cropped up. And I felt, you know, felt the heat on the back of my neck and thought, yeah, saturated market. <laughs> yeah. And my friend said to me, Every, anyone, everyone else can have a podcast, but no one can be you. Nobody can make the decisions that you make. Nobody can ask the questions that you ask. No one can have the interest that you have because you are completely unique. And not that I'm something special, but every time I, every time I think, am I making the right decision? I do now think, well, yes, because there's a reason why you're making this decision. It's your experience. It's 20 years. It's your friends. It's your network. It's all the people you learn from. And I've been really lucky with my podcast and that I've been able to interview some unbelievably incredible people, whether, I mean, I have interviewed loads of brand donors, but I've also had Michelle Visage on the podcast and we talked about mental health and I've had, uh, Andy Puddicombe who created Headspace on the podcast. So I've been able to talk to him about meditation. So I've learned from so many incredible people. And every time I doubt myself and I think, is this going to, is this going to be the thing that ruins everything? I go, no, it's not. It's going to be the thing that makes it better because every stepping stone you're taking, every step you're taking for a reason. And even if you do make a mistake, one of the things I learned in the first year of podcasting from speaking to a lot of people in the beauty industry where there's no clear path or blueprint for success and they all told me about mistakes that they had made or things that had gone wrong or challenges they had faced. I came at the end of that year and I did my like res resume episode. I said, 
one thing I've learned is that failure, failures are stepping stones to success and they are vital. So actually, it doesn't matter if you make a mistake. So I think that, and I think that kind of gives you a bit of a reprieve. It gives you a bit of a break. Every time you feel yourself giving yourself a hard time, you think, you know what, even if this does go wrong, I'll never make that mistake again. Yeah. Yeah. And even if even if you do, it's a really funny story to tell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I always Absolutely. always if something terrible happens, I'm going to tell the story tomorrow, and at least I've got something out of it. Um, Deja, uh, same question to you: what what makes you happy? What keeps you going in this industry? Because it can be tough, but you've got to stay strong and stay motivated and find joy. Yeah, I, I suppose for me, like just seeing, just see knowing that the service that. Black Skin Directory or or my my clinic is providing for Black women is is hitting the right spot with them. Um, you know, last night we had Black Skin Decoded, which was an online event, you know, in partnership with Glamour Magazine, and that went fan- it, it was phenomenal. My phone is still going off to this minute, and even though I'm shattered and I'm tired, the fact that everyone enjoyed it so much, you know, inspires me to um, continue because there are times where I have to kind of remind my team that Black Skin Directory is not my job. My job is being an aesthetician. That's my job. And, And running clinic, that's my job. And Black Skin Directory is just something that happened, we happened to create this fantastic. Um, And so whenever I'm flagging, we get messages from people in Canada, in Australia, in Dubai, in saying how much the directory has helped them to learn about their skin and to see what a particular skin condition looks like on their skin, not not how it looks on, on you know, on white skin. You know, all of that is what keeps me focused on the days where I'm just like, Do you know what, I'm really tired. I just, I just need to park this for a second. And I think actually there's black women out there who this is doing a fantastic job for and they would be heartbroken if I pulled this directory offline. Um, and whenever that happens, I'm like super, super grateful and it makes me super happy. And again, I get that feeling of I would, even if I won the lottery tomorrow, I would still do this because there are women out there who rely on this. I feel really inspired guys. And I, th- I think that's that's exactly what we wanted out of this. We obviously want to be honest about how tough the industry is because it is. But if you have that fire inside of you, which you're so beautifully describing to me today, you can make it work. And this advice has been fantastic. So I cannot thank you enough. Thank you, Emma. Thank you, Deja. Um, It's really thank you. No, no, honestly, I really appreciate it. Really insightful conversation. I really hope that anyone listening who is interested in working in this industry that they feel a little bit more like they know which direction they could take or what it is that they might need to do and also how it is that they can stay true to themselves because that is so important. Um, Emma, Deja, check out their work, check out their socials. Uh, And you know what? Go for it. If you're listening now, go for it and good luck. Thank you so much for listening to The Beauty of It All with me, Vic Hope. I will catch you next time. Thanks, guys.